0: I packet one piece of the Welcome to the Best of the Left podcast with clips today from Tom Hartman, Rachel Maddow, The Young Turks, Al Franken and The Majority Report. I'm
1: ride in style. I'm drive wild. Cause I'll have the only one there is around. So the very next day when I punched in with my big lunchbox with help from my friend I left that day with a lunch box full of gear. I've never considered myself a thief, but GM wouldn't miss just one little piece, especially if I strung it out over several years. Yeah, well, we know where that one was. The first day I got me a fuel pump, and the next day I got me an engine and a trunk. Then I got me a transmission and all the chrome. The little things I could get in my big lunch box like nuts and bolts and all four shocks, but the big stuff that stuck out my buddy's mobile hole. And welcome back, my friends. 35 I'm minutes past
2: now, the hour friend, is it's right. the Tom Hartman radio it's program, place where we dare to ask, is Walmart a person? And uh, we dare to say, no, I don't think so. Anyhow, Johnny Cash there, it's, uh, it's a marvelous song about eh, trying, to, trying to build himself a car, Yeah. Didn't quite work. Anyhow, George W. Bush trying to build himself a presidency. Not quite working. Trying to keep himself out of jail. Is George W. Bush trying to do the same thing Silvio Berlusconi is doing? Keeping himself out of jail by manipulating our our political system. Uh, Other things that uh, Bush could be held to account for. Abu Ghraib torture and prisoner abuse. Bagram torture and prisoner abuse. United Nations Convention Against Torture Command Responsibility. George W. Bush, the United States does not torture, and that's important for people around the world to understand. Mm, turns out not quite so true. This could at the very least be an impeachable offense. It may be a criminal offense. Leaking classified information. We still are not sure whether it was Bush or Cheney, who was the original source of the leak on Valerie Plame, or possibly somebody else, if... Scooter Libby is is you know totally wrong on this thing. But uh, it sure is increasingly looking like it was Bush. Allegedly declassifying for political purposes. If this is something that is not a jailable offense, it certainly may be a, an impeachable offense. We're talking about the yellowcake forgery, the Plame affair, the, the the CIA leak grand jury investigation. All of this stuff. go back to the downing street memo planning a war illegally against the will of the people to to invade a sovereign country that represented no threat to us whatsoever to gain political favor so that his party could seek see could control the senate so that his friends could make money so that so that his oil buddies could get rich so that his friends the saudis would would uh... actually i'm not sure that they were all in favor of that but in any case none of, none of these are legal reasons to start a war We held people accountable for this after World War II. The Nuremberg trials, many of them had nothing to do with concentration camps. They had to do with things like illegally invading Poland in 1939, as I
3: recall. Hurricane Katrina.
2: We're still finding bodies in, in, in the wake of Hurricane Katrina. We are still today finding bodies. Was George w. w. Bush criminally negligent in the mishandling of Hurricane Katrina? He certainly was informed of what was going to happen before it happened, and as people were drowning, he's in Arizona feeding cake to John McCain, and then the next day, as, people, as more people are drowning, he's in California playing uh, country western music with a with a with a country western music star, trying to drum up you know raising money for the political party as people are drowning. Is this criminal negligence? Not to mention abuse of power. This whole theory of the unitary executive. There is no such thing as the unitary executive. Well, yeah, there's one executive officer. There's the President of the United States. But but that doesn't mean that he has some kind of magical unitary power that pushes out the courts and the legislature. Our Constitution is quite clear. There are three, three sections that identify the three legislative branches. And in fact, the first one is not the presidency. That's the second. The first one is the Congress. And the, and the framers of the Constitution put that in there intentionally.
3: April 14th is not only the day before the tax deadline, uh, it's also the anniversary of the Oklahoma City bombing in 1995, and it is also the anniversary of the assassination of President Abraham Lincoln in 1865. On April 14th, 1865, John Wilkes Booth shot the president uh, in the head at Ford's Theater in Washington, D.C. It was seven score and one year ago, for those of you keeping track in Lincoln math. Uh, if you have read Sarah Vowell's excellent book, Assassination Vacation, uh, you know about the Six Semper Tyrannis connection, uh, between these anniversary events. Six Semper Tyrannis. Six Semper Tyrannis means thus always to tyrants. Uh, incidentally, it is the state motto of Virginia. It's what John Wilkes Booth yelled right after he killed Lincoln, he shot Lincoln and then said Six Semper Tyrannus. A magazine called Southern Partisan used to sell a T-shirt with a picture of Lincoln on it and Six Semper Tyrannus written right underneath his head on the T-shirt. In other words, this T-shirt celebrating the assassination of Abraham Lincoln, Southern Partisan magazine. Get it, right? Uh, that T-shirt, Six Semper Tyrannus Lincoln T-shirt, is the T-shirt that Timothy McVeigh was wearing in his mugshot. On the day that he bombed the federal building in Oklahoma, in his mugshot after he bombed the federal building in Oklahoma City on April 14th, 1995, which is the day that he bombed Oklahoma City, and it's the 130th anniversary of the assassination of Lincoln. Uh, the Oklahoma City bombing in the Six Semper Tyrannus, Yay, They Killed Lincoln Southern Partisan t-shirt, that was in 1995. Three years after that, former Attorney General John Ashcroft gave an interview to Southern Partisan Magazine in which he said, quote, your magazine helps set the record straight. Southern Partisan Magazine uh, describes the Emancipation Proclamation as, quote, sinister and says it was an invitation to slaves to rise up against their masters.
4: two uh, things at play here. One is, I think there is a quiet roar yeah, right. by the people. They're not in the streets waving Mexican flags or anything over this, right? Or Iraqi flags or U.S. That would, flags. That would
5: be a repellent spectacle.
4: <laughs> According to Brit Hume. Uh, but what's happening is the poll numbers. When you yeah. have a president whose uh, approval rating is at thir- anywhere between 36 and 38 percent, and his strongly disapproved numbers, which is usually a low number, because that means I really, really can't stand this guy. It's not just disapproved. Strongly disapproved numbers are 47%. That means that's 10% higher than people who approve of him one way or another, even if it's the mildest approval on earth. Yeah. Now, that's a enormous stunning number so uh they might not be in the streets but believe me there is a quiet uproar in this country about how bad
5: this uh, president is keep in mind most people don't pay attention to these stories and also to 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 some extent uh, what this is the reason why this is good news for us is that uh, people have made up their minds and that a story like this, which is a smoking gun, which helps, and it certainly helps build a case later. And this helps build a historical case that will never be refuted about how how uh, the the treacherous way that George Bush uh, 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 misbehaved here. Um, misbehaved. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> bad what are you, Nine one one. That George Bush uh, misled the country into war, but but he uh, uh, but the country has made up its mind. So people don't need to see this story. They're like, yeah, he lied about the weapons. Mm-hmm. I got it. I got it. That memo has been received. I don't need to read any more stories. But I mean, all this stuff think, helps.
4: I
6: still think a lot of people think it's just kind of a rumor that he lied about the weapons.
4: I, I, I don't think we have any concrete evidence that people are actually talking about when they discuss this amongst oh, wow. their friends. I mean, I think this will – I would hope this would kind of take it over the hump a little bit. Well, it, it'll. Ha- we have concrete evidence that, in fact, they never even thought there were weapons of mass destruction. They just hoped so right. they could have some disguise for their ul- ulterior plan.
5: Well, I mean, you may be right, but it it it's building it. And when you see a guy being deceitful again, it causes you to rethink everything. A point that we make again and again on the show.
4: Yeah, I mean, this is a, a third major, major lie that we've now caught him in. Every time you get a, uh, you see us uh, getting uh, wiretapping anybody, we do it with a court order. And then you see, oh no, no, we never got a court order. We were right. lying, you know. And you see this. Uh, those are definitely weapons labs and then you see oh no he knew beforehand they weren't weapons labs uh, uh you know i didn't nobody anticipated the bre- breach of the levees and then you see him sitting there as people go the levees are going to be breached mr president and he goes okay
5: and then to a lesser extent cause it was only in uh, uh the nation uh right uh, M- murray wass's piece national journal national journal excuse me to the good people of the national journal and to the good people of the nation <laughs> the uh you know about the uh, aluminum tubes Mm-hmm. He was told about the eleven twos, was Told and told again. Didn't make any difference. They still, right. they still said it. So it it builds a case. But for example, when there's I don't think there's an uproar, but there's a groan, and that's what we get in this country are groans. We don't get uproars. We don't take to the streets. We rub our heads and you know, like the guy I was talking to in Starbucks today, and who you know kept saying, yeah, excuse me, I don't mean to uh, watch my language. This fucking guy in Washington right? And I'd be yeah. like, oh, all right. And then a second later, be at these fucking assholes in Washington, <laughs> you know, and he kept he kept doing it, you mm-hmm. know, and he's one of them. And then I'm reading a story today real quick, um, uh, and we got to hit the break here, but uh, reading a story about uh, uh, the race to replace Randy Duke Cunningham in uh, the 50th District of California last night. Uh, the Democrat won the race, but she got less than 15, 50% uh, Francine uh, Busby, so she'll be in a runoff. Um, but she got 44%. She was the runaway winner, and hopefully she'll win that runoff, too, in June 6th. But there's a quote here just from one guy john towers 51 year old republican uh from uh, cardiff in the 50th district in uh, southern california Uh, he voted for one of the republicans said he felt betrayed not only by cunningham but by the policies of the bush administration quote i wouldn't be surprised if a lot of republicans are so disgusted they just say stay home
4: yeah i met a guy in vegas and he said uh, uh i said what are you and he said i'm a republican uh
5: generally speaking he
4: said but man i hate bush And I was like, "Oh, that's music
5: to my ears!" Yeah, he's definitely not going to get a third term.
4: (laughs) Well uh hopefully it, it should uh, hopefully apply to congress as well and it looks like the numbers say that it's going to by the way second reason there's not an uproar is because unfortunately washington the uh, people in washington live in a bubble so the democratic senators for whatever crazy reason i don't think have fully caught up to the rage to the quiet rage the quiet roar in the country that is so against this president if they had they would act much much stronger against them.
6: So, you know, yesterday we had Melanie Sloan from CREW, Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington. And Melanie's on every week to uh, talk about the, the corruption in Washington. And she's been way ahead of the curve. Well, you know, she was talking about Abramoff before <clears throat> anybody else. We had her on, like, right at the start of the, our show. And she was talking about Duke Cunningham before, you know, now he's in prison. And yesterday we had her on to talk about this prostitution ring, it looks like. mm mm-hmm. That, uh, you know, that... Uh, Brent Wilkes is this guy, yeah. and contractor in California. Right. And uh, that Mitchell Wade, who bribed uh, Cunningham, has te- testified to. So uh, ratings just spiked. Really? Yeah. People like... We just talked about... We talked about... So we're going to do it again today. We're going to talk about prostitution. Cool. It used to work on the old show Vegas.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Whenever Dan Tana would... Uh, Investigate anything involving a call girl, they, uh, the ratings would go through the roof.
6: So Arbitron, which is just is incredibly well-tuned to capture mm-hmm. We get
4: second-by-second capturing... second ratings.
6: Yeah. Uh, shot up when we talk about prostitutes. And uh, so, so today we're going to talk about <clears throat> Saipan with uh, Ms. Magazine writer Rebecca Claren and Saipan. Let, let, me, let me see if I, if I can give this a good summary. She'll, she'll, uh, I think anything with a Ms. Magazine writer is
4: guaranteed to be pretty racy and, and prurient.
6: No, 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 exactly opposite. This is, this is a very responsible journalist. It, this is what it is. As Saipan, as probably, as regular listeners of the show know, we've talked about this story a number of times. Saipan is part of the North Mar Northern Mariana, uh, Marianas Islands. Saipan was the site of this, this battle in, in World War II. Uh, it, we took over this, uh, the Northern Marianas Islands after World War II. And made it a commonwealth or a uh, territory and uh, subject to our laws except <laughs> not labor and immigration laws. There's a reason for that. Well, because the gar- there's a garment industry there that uh, takes women, brings women in from like China and the Philippines, <clears throat> actually recruits them, makes them pay them money, like six, eight thousand dollars for the right to go to America. They think they're going to America and they fly them to Saipan. And they uh, become indentured serv- uh, servants, essentially, slaves. Wage, sl- and, and they work in the, the garment industry, which can say made in the USA on their label. Right. Okay? And that's the whole point. It says made in the USA, and these women get paid nothing. And essentially, uh, many of them also get, get forced into prostitution. And uh, also they force abortions uh, on these women. Because a woman gets pregnant, she can't keep her job unless she gets an abortion. Okay, so, uh, Democrats and Republicans, Republicans, Frank Murkowski, Senator from Alaska. Peter Republican,
7: Hoekstra, the Congressman from Michigan.
6: Have tried, tried, tried to reform this. But Jack Abramoff was the lobbyist for the Northern Marianas Islands and for the factory owners in Saipan, and got his friend Tom DeLay, who went to Saipan on a free trip, on a, you know, with his family, with his daughter and his wife and with the uh, staff. And like a 100 of these trips were made, yeah. uh, paid for by by uh, Abramoff's clients. And Tom DeLay blocked any legislation from getting to the floor to protect these women who were forced the prostitution, forced to have abortions. Anyway, so, uh, and we've reported on that, but uh, Rebecca Claren went to Saipan recently to sort of catch up on this. Right. And talk to women and, 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 see what the deal is now. Uh, the irony, of course, is that, uh, you know, Tom DeLay is Mr., uh, you know, right, right to life. Yeah. And he is perpetuating a system by, by not allowing these bills to get to the floor in, uh, in the house that forces women to get abortions. You, the worst hypocrisy in the world. Okay, now and 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 uh, you know so so today our ratings should spike and we're not proud of that, but but because we try to do a show that's not salacious, we try to do important yeah. stories. Um, how many times have we done Natalie Holloway? Nothing, never. No. Now compare. So so I I, I just wanted to do this. Do a comparison of us with Fox, and because um, they talk about Natalie Holloway all the time, I've noticed. Yeah. So I had our, our, our guys do a Nexus search. Fox News and Natalie Holloway, you just get over 1,000 hits, boom, it crashes. You can't. Yeah, they, Nexus, <laughs> if, you, if you have more than 1,000 hits, Nexus just kind of
7: explodes. You have to start over. Okay. So we well, don't uh, know. It could be 10,000. Or 1,006, but it's probably closer to 10,000.
6: Yeah. Uh, Fox News Network and the O'Reilly Factor and Bill O'Reilly and Natalie Holloway, 300 hits. Um, then the Fox News Network and On the Record with Greta Van Susteren and Natalie Holloway, 483 hits. Now, sometimes she would uh, refer to the Factor. Is that
7: well, it? Well, what she do is she do a segment on Natalie Holloway, and then at the end say, "Coming up, the O'Reilly Factor." And Nexus sort of counts that as a hit when you search for the O'Reilly. Isn't factor. she after the f- Factor, or is she before the She's Factor? She's before the Factor, I think. She is might she? be after. might say you heard uh, earlier on. You you got when you search for O'Reilly, you got a lot of Greta. So I had to cut out the Greta.
6: Okay, so you went without Greta. So you have to write Fox News Network, the O'Reilly Factor, Bill O'Reilly, and uh, and and Natalie Holloway and not Greta. Yeah. Two hundred and three hits. So he's like done two hundred and three yeah. stories. <laughs> and then you checked out Fox News Network and the O'Reilly Factor and Bill O'Reilly and Saipan you got five hits, and none of them were about this. No, not a one. They're all about like the battles, you know, like uh, Iraq. That isn't like Saipan, right? It was about kind of it
7: was about the Battle of Saipan, yeah, as yeah.
6: Opposed to, yeah. So these guys do important stuff, and, and of course Hannity and Combs, uh, same same kind of thing. So one hundred
7: and sixty-four to one,
6: they count on. They had one Saipan, and that was just uh, oh yeah. Combs brought this up, saying that uh, yeah. Uh, He's talking to Rich Lowry and Rich uh, this is a guy who opposed a worker reform bill that would have improved sweatshop conditions in Saipan he didn't really go really go into it yeah that was the extent of it that was it and uh, that was with Rich Lowry he said well he's a free marketeer of course he's going to be against of course he's going to be for forced abortion <laughs> what free marketeer isn't for forced abortion?
3: Wade into the old mainstream to see if there's any gold worth painting for among today's top stories. Eureka! The first story on today's Rachel Maddow Show front page is about what happened in Congress yesterday. I have to say, I would consider myself to be jaw droppingly amazed at what is happening in Washington right now. You know, there's one little vote after another, usually. You know, it's sometimes hard to follow exactly what's going on. But when you put together a few of these votes on one day, like what happened yesterday, I feel like it's a national disgrace. I feel like what is happening in Washington is outrageous. You remember how we reported last week on on what's happening with the latest emergency request to fund the war in Iraq? You know, because the war in Iraq officially is not happening. It's It's not in the budget. There was no declaration of war. It's just a total surprise every quarter for going on four years now that we still need money to pay for it. So they keep doing these emergency appropriations bills to pay for the war. Right. So conveniently enough, bills like can, emergency appropriation bills for the war are kind of politically untouchable. You can't deny support money to troops who are already on the battlefield. But now, Congress has figured out how to how to put anything they want in those war emergency bills, knowing that they will just slide on through without really being debated. It's a great way to sneak sneak stuff through. Last week, we reported on Trent Lott and Tad Cochran, the Republican senators from Mississippi, putting in the war emergency spending bill, a plan to rip up a perfectly good brand new train track just laid down in Mississippi to replace it with a highway that they've always wanted to build there. $700 million in emergency war spending money, emergency support the troops money, $700 million for a big construction party that has nothing to do with war. In Mississippi. Yesterday, the Senate voted for this thing. Believe it or not, 49 to 48. And maybe this highway ought to be built. This is not the way to pay for it. The Senate also voted yesterday in this emergency war spending bill. They voted to take money away from the war effort, away from the thing this bill is supposedly funding, to spend on stopping the illegal immigrants. This is the bill funding the war in Iraq, you guys. I am not kidding. Here's the AP reporting.
2: By a wide margin, the Senate is redirecting some of the money President Bush requested for the war in Iraq to pay for increased border security and for new hardware for the Coast Guard. One controversial project that survived a $700 million relocation of a rail line along the Mississippi coast so a new east-west highway can be built.
3: Just to make sure we've got this straight, the Republicans voted yesterday and they won to take away money in the war appropriation and spend it instead on building a fence in Arizona and a new train track that was just built in Mississippi, ripping that up and replacing it with a new road. This is the war emergency. This is Congress on a war footing. You want to hear about how Congress is dealing with national security? Oh, it gets even better. I'm steamed up like a teapot about this stuff today.
4: But
6: I'll
8: tell you what I'm a little bit more psyched about, Janine. Uh, Let's play this clip. It's number six. This will tell you why there's such a spring in my step today.
3: This marks... Carl Rove's fifth appearance before the grand jury. Initially, Carl uh, Rove had told the grand jury that he did not speak to any reporters about Valerie Plain. He did that three times. He said, no, 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 I didn't talk to any reporters. And then, uh, Viva who is a reporter from Time Magazine, had drinks with Carl Rove's attorney, Bob Luskin, and reported to Bob Luskin, the attorney, that in fact, uh, her colleague, Matt Cooper, at time recalls that it was Carl Rove who disclosed that Whoops. Valerie Plame worked for the CIA. That then caused Carl Rove to go back to the grand jury the fourth time, correct the record and say, I'm sorry, I forgot about that. I did, in fact, speak with Matt Cooper. I apologize for the mistake. Whatever. Oh, Whatever.
8: Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I totally slipped my mind those three times I told you a completely different story. I totally forgot that the truth was 180 degrees different from that.
0: Four times is the charm. Now, Valerie Plain will be at the well, White House Correspondents'
8: Dinner. Fifth time. Valerie Plain will be at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, as will Carl Rove. Mm, Let's I, see
2: what's going to happen. Uh,
8: now, we're going to be talking to Lawrence O'Donnell because he has uh, a uh, a very uh, important theory uh, about what... Cheney he impl- was drunk. No, no, no. This is oh. about what uh, uh, whether or not... Uh, what, what this trip to the grand jury means for Karl Rove in this investigation. We'll save uh, his appearance uh, for for that. But um, uh, this story by Mari Wass is a huge story. Now, we've talked about uh, Pat Roberts quite a bit. He is the the, uh, senator from uh, Kansas, I believe it is, who sits uh, as the chairman of the Intelligence Committee. He is the guy who decided prior to the 2004 election that when we investigate how bad the intelligence was, how we sort of, I don't know, went to Iraq based on this idea that there were weapons of mass destruction there, there was a nuclear program, that uh, Saddam Hussein was a huge threat. How did that happen that we were totally wrong? And uh, so Pat Roberts said, well, we'll do two different things. One, we'll do an investigation on all the intelligence that was gathered. And then two, we'll do an investigation on how the Bush administration took that intelligence and may have twisted it. And let's just do the second part after the election for no particular reason. And the Democrats, of course, had no uh, real way of stopping them. So this is what happened. Then come February after the election, Pat Roberts goes, you know, we got so much on our plate. I mean, we have to defend the Bush administration from so many different charges. We just may not get to that other investigation. Then in November of 2005... You remember Harry Reid uh, called for a secret uh, closed session of Senate, forced the Republicans to begin phase two. Well, last night on this program, I reported that Pat Roberts now wants to split phase two into two different phases. With all the stuff about how the Bush administration sort of may have manipulated intelligence, uh, we could push that one down the road.
4: How, how can you parse This Phase 2,
8: that was Phase 2, cherry-picking. Yeah, now what we're talking is, actually, it depends on how you want to calculate it. It could be Phase 8, because you've actually uh, split now into into eighths, the investigation, or it could just be Phase, I guess, 4. But
2: if cherry-picking is 2, yeah? How do you...
8: Well, he splits that off into... uh, uh, There are different components about Phase 2, and the part about how specifically... The Bush administration, whether or not they cherry-picked, that's going to be now phase eight. It would be kind of interesting to see what the non-cherry-picking part of that split would be, though. That was just... Orders. Uh, yeah. um, was people, was the orders? Yeah. Was there an email uh, program down? Uh, did computers work? Now, this is coming on the heels of this revelation by uh, a guy named uh, Drumheller, who was the top spook in the CIA in Europe, For 27 years, this guy was uh, with the CIA. He just spoke to uh, 60 Minutes on Sunday night, said there was occasion after occasion, whether it was the uh, yellow cake uranium, whether it was the centrifuges, whether it was a high-ranking Saddam Hussein official, who came back and said to uh, the Bush administration, there is no weapons of mass destruction program. It's over. It's dead. And they ignored it time and time again. Now, all this... And we had that story of Mary McCarthy, who was uh, the CIA agent, who was fired for leaking information on secret gulags. But then it comes out, well, she wasn't actually fired for that because she categorically denies it. It's because she may have some improper contacts with uh, people at the Bush administration, and they're checking on her political donations.
2: Oh, I know, I know. Carrie donation and she worked for Clinton, right? They're going to say that. But so how does that square with Judith Miller then and her improper context? Well,
8: I mean, here's here's the bottom line, is that uh, they're selectively pursuing leaks. And this coming from Murray Wass, when the CIA announced on Friday that it had fired an employee who the agency claims knowingly and willfully shared classified intelligence with newspaper reporter, Senate Intelligence Committee Chairman Pat Roberts immediately praised the agency's action, saying that, Unauthorized disclosure of classified information can significantly harm our ability to protect the American people. He went on to say, those who leak classified information not only risk the disclosure of intelligence sources and methods, but also expose the brave men and women of the intelligence community to greater danger. Clearly, those uh, guilty of improperly disclosing classified information should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Well, the issue isn't that he's been completely silent about the uh, outing of Valerie Plame, who we have no. Definitively, was a covert operative. Uh, Patrick Fitzgerald has filed as such in a in a court of law. But it turns out that three years ago, on the eve of the invasion of Iraq, Roberts himself was involved in disclosing sensitive intelligence information that, according to four former senior intelligence officers, impaired efforts to capture Saddam Hussein and potentially threatened the lives of Iraqis who were spying for the United States. On March twentieth, two thousand three. Roberts, in a speech to the National Newspaper Association, said he had been in touch with our intelligence community and that the CIA had informed President Bush and the National Security Council, this is just before uh, the bombings, of intelligence information from what we call human intelligence that indicated the location of Saddam Hussein and his leadership in a bunker in the suburbs of Baghdad. The former intelligence official said in interviews that Roberts was never held accountable for his comments, which bore directly on the issue of intelligence-gathering sources and methods, and revealed that Iraqis close to Hussein were probably talking to the United States. On a scale of 1 to 10, if Mary McCarthy did what she's accused of doing, which it now seems the CIA has backed off of, incidentally, it would be a 6 or 7 at best said one former senior intelligence official whose position required involvement in numerous leak investigations, what Pat Roberts did from a legal and national security point of view was an 11. Because Saddam Hussein found out that there was not just electronic monitoring of him, there was actually human assets he probably killed those people and left the area, thereby making it impossible for us to get him in the days leading up to uh, Bush's invasion, illegal invasion of Iraq.
5: I but the radio won't play this. They call it rebel music. How can you refuse it? Children of Moses, I was president.
4: Uh, in honor of Cinco de Mayo, we want to celebrate with uh, uh, some Republicans in North Carolina, and uh, they th- seem to think that uh, this is uh, people of Mexican heritage. You know, uh, contribute so much to our society, and uh, and that they I should be celebrated.
5: That's what people say. I don't
4: think that's the case. You don't think so? Uh, you know, it's possible that Vernon Robinson actually agrees with And There's a man running for the United States Congress for the Republican Party in North Carolina. Get a load of his commercial, this is a real commercial, we're not kidding, and he's actually running it on air in North Carolina, here's Vernon
1: Robinson. This message was paid for by Air Force Academy graduate Vernon Robinson. Every night 7,000 aliens rush into our country illegally and your ultra-liberal congressman Brad Miller refuses to guard the border. Instead of deporting them, he votes for amnesty and throws them a party with your tax dollars. Brad Miller gives these aliens welfare, driver's licenses, social security, free health care, free lawyers, free public education, even free school lunches. These aliens pay no income tax and send their money back to Mexico. Then they take to the streets waving their mexican flag in demanding more unbelievably brad miller voted to allow these illegals to burn the american flag while waving the mexican flag brad miller supports gay marriage and sponsored a bill to let american homosexuals bring their foreign homosexual lovers to this country on a marriage visa if miller had his way america would be nothing but one big fiesta for illegal aliens and homosexuals but if you elect vernon robinson that party's over i'm vernon robinson and i approve this message because brad miller's out of touch and soon He'll be out of Congress.
5: Uh, first of all, Brad Miller would be in favor of burning the Mexican flag, too. <laughs> it's an important point. <laughs> okay. First of all, no one's ever burned the American
4: flag at one of these uh, protests, no. uh, these immigration rallies.
5: No one has. But I'm sure Brad Miller supports uh, uh, did not uh, support uh, you know, a constitutional ban on, on burning the American flag, <laughs> as, as he should not have. But, you know, he... I don't know
4: if you guys know this. It's not right to just make something up. <laughs> yeah. So he just made something up there. No one ever burned an American flag while waving the Mexican flag. It just didn't
5: happen. No, this <laughs> is about people's desire to stay in America because they like it here.
4: That was one of my favorite parts of the commercial. Obviously, the Mexican music in the background was a little,
5: you know, well, who and you who, can't beat that. Who didn't enjoy the gay <laughs> porn sounds either?
4: Yeah. the No. The, and that was my that that's <laughs> that's point number three. Ugh. After you know, he says, and bring their foreign homosexual lovers here.
5: Ugh. Brad Miller sponsored a bill to allow people to bring foreign their foreign uh, their foreign lovers to the United States for citizenship. I, you know, look, I don't know the daily workings of Congress. I don't know everything they do. But uh, rest assured, America, no such bill has ever existed.
4: <laughs> no, you didn't hear about House Resolution One Eighty
5: Seven, the Foreign Homosexual Lovers Bill. No, I didn't. Uh, yeah, I did. I must have missed it. <laughs> Home for the homos, I think it was called. (laughs) Bring the homos home! (laughs) All right. um, Vernon Robinson is a hateful bigot. Uh, The irony, of course, is that he's black. Mm -hmm. Uh, are, Are you telling me black people can be bigoted, too? No. And part of the bigotry that Vernon Robinson exhibits, by the way, is against black people. I mean, he is a hateful, divisive, terrible, terrible guy, who I have no doubt lies about. He lies about so much stuff that uh, I would be busy checking to see whether he graduated from the Air Force. (laughs) I'd be busy checking to see if he's black. Uh, He's also inferred in (laughs) campaign literature that Brad Miller is gay. Uh, This guy's unbelievable. Uh, He's been more than inferred. You know what?
4: Worse yet, I hear Brad Miller's a Mexican.
5: In some of his campaign literature, he, he, because Brad Miller has uh, supported the Daily Kos, uh, the, the liberal blog uh, run by in part by Marcos Malitzis, And, and Marco, is Marcos married? Yes, he is. Right, he's inferred that Marcos and Brad Miller are gay lovers. He keeps saying and Brad <laughs> Miller, who's single and doesn't have any children, and Marcos, of course, is you know Marcos has got a foreign-sounding name. So, uh, Brad, you don't get more hateful than Vernon Robbins. <laughs> I wonder. If, and so he's saying Brad Miller imported Marcos as it's, a. There's a suggestion a <laughs> in the literature which I read that uh, that they're gay lovers and they have. And again, it's all about bringing more gay people over the border and they're going to gay up America and gay <laughs> up your schools and they're going to have gay school free lunches.
4: At right, first, I thought I thought it was the Mexicans that was a the and then now, then they throw in the terrorists crossing the border. Now it's so, uh, gay people crossing the border. That's a real problem.
5: Also, the great thing is the aliens too. I mean, aliens, 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 aliens. I mean, really, it sounds like he's talking about space people.
2: Tell me if there's something I can do.
8: Cause lately, all I'm thinking of is you. So I tried to write you a love song, but all the music came out wrong. So I hope that you dance along. I hope that you dance along with me.
1: Now, the delay political death watch.
2: Yes, uh, one side note to Tom Delay's resignation. Comments uh, Steve over the cover bag report. That didn't get much attention last week, the fact that DeLay was poised to step down for quite a while, but had to pretend to keep interested in keeping his seat for financial reasons. An additional impetus for putting off the resignation for now, until now, was suggested by John Fury, a former aide to Tom DeLay and House Speaker, and a former aide to House Speaker J. Dennis Hastert. Fury said, Delay needed to raise money for the defense fund. That was the bottom line. He wanted to make sure he could take care of himself in the court of law. This is the apparently, according to his own his own aide, the only reason why Tom Delay actually ran for election in the primary was so he could raise money. And if you look at it, if you look at the fundraising uh, stats. He raised. $194,000 from single-issue groups, $192,000 from finance and insurance groups, $119,000 from energy re- companies, $116,000 from healthcare companies, $107,000 from transportation companies, $91,000 from business retail. You know, the list goes on and on and on. And you add it all up, and he raised a total of uh, $3,227,775. Of that individual contributions from individuals, one million nine hundred thirty five thousand two hundred twenty four dollars, and the amount left over after all of his disbursements, in other words, the total amount of money, he spent two million seven hundred two million dollars and two million seven hundred and one dollars on his primary campaign, on winning the primary. And then he stepped down. But he had raised he spent two million, but he had raised over three million. So what's left over now? What Tom Delay has in the bank that he didn't have before he ran for the primary is $1,295,350 that he can use to pay for his lawyers for his defense fund. Well, this uh, has, uh, shall we say, chafed a few people. He asked his contributors for financial support. Again, back to Steve's comment. He asked his contributors for financial support, telling them that he needed the money for his campaign, when in reality he knew he was going to resign and he wanted the donations for his legal defense. His con is legal but obviously dishonest, and therefore it's not terribly surprising that some of his donors want their money back. One lobbyist said, it's nauseating to think about his campaign contribution going to subsidize Delay's legal team. The lobbyist said... That's all this money would go will go to the legal defense fund. It sickens me. I have to pay for that. Apparently so. As Steve Bennon notes, as K Street lobbyists should know by now, you lay down with dogs, you catch fleas. The world's
1: locked up in your head. You've been pouring it a concrete bed.
3: You habits. are some of the stories we are keeping an eye on here at the Rachel Maddow Show this morning. But now it's time to check back in with our old pal the Drunk prospector Eureka! to find out the final story on today's Rachel Maddow Show front page. Uh, As you know, the first story on the front page today was about the walkouts and demonstrations and human change and signs of support for immigrants planned all around the country today. Uh, The second story on the front page today uh, is not specifically a May Day story, but it's one I can no longer leave alone It's about the second great hooker scandal of the Bush administration. Uh, We talked about this a little bit over the past, uh, over the end of last week. But this is fast boiling into into being the next thing you need to know something about in the Washington D.C. scandal mill. So I'll boil it down for you. You remember the first great hooker scandal of the George W. Bush bringing honor and dignity back to the White House administration. And that was, of course, Jeff Gannon. Remember him? J.D. Guckert, the guy who used a fake name, who was really a male hooker. He was a fake reporter. He not only got into the White House press room, but he mysteriously got called on all the time in the briefing room by the president. He also got called on a lot by the press secretary. And that was even before the press secretary was a flautist flautist. Because Tony Snow, the new guy, is a flautist, I'm just saying, but this was before him. Uh, the new hooker scandal is tied to the Duke Cunningham bribery case, which is important because it means there are already people who've pled guilty in this case. Duke Cunningham pled guilty to taking bribes from defense contractors. One of those contractors is named Mitchell Wade. He's pled guilty. as turned state's evidence. He told prosecutors that the other defense contractor being investigated for bribing Duke Cunningham had an arrangement with a Washington limo company to bring Duke Cunningham and hookers in these limousines to suites that the contractor maintained at the Watergate Hotel and at the Westin Grand in Washington. Two things to pay attention here. The paper is at the tip of the spear here investigating the story, says a half dozen other congressmen may have availed themselves of these services, and this limo company mysteriously got a $21 million homeland security contract last November. Keep an eye on those two details.
6: Smalley. I'm going to do a great segment today, and I'm going to help people because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Hello, I'm Stuart Smalley, and today I'd like to discuss Rush L., who is in the news and was arrested on on Friday for doctor shopping, which is something addicts do. It's something they do. They get prescription drugs from, you know, a lot of different doctors, and they do that by lying to the doctors. And that's part of the disease, the lying, the dishonesty. And um, somehow um, they allowed Rush L. to plead not guilty. And I, I don't want to take uh, his inventory, but it seems like um, that Rush is not really in recovery because when you're in recovery, you take responsibility for your actions. And it's pretty clear from his actions that he was guilty of doctor shopping. And that's okay. That's okay. He was sick. But, and again, I don't want to take his inventory, but if he still won't own his mistakes, then I, I think he is still in his disease. Isn't that an interesting word? Disease. You know? Disease. Because you feel a dis-ease. You get it? Disease. This is, I don't know. does everyone get it? Disease, this is. Anyway, I think it's time he owned what he's, you know, said in the past about people who use drugs illegally, which is that they should be put away. And I think he should make an amends and say I was wrong because there's too many people in prison for, you know, just be, for being drug addicts. And I think Rush L's own lawyer made the point the drug addicts shouldn't be punished. They should be in treatment. Good for Rush L's lawyer. Good for you. Good for you. Um and I'm not sure Rush is, you know, getting what Rush his own lawyer is saying. According to what I read, he's he's, you know, he's evidently still seeing a therapist. But I don't you know, I don't think he's in recovery because um you know, I don't want to should all over him, as we say in program. But I think Rush L. really should be in program. Get to the rooms, Rush. You know, get to the rooms. Get a sponsor. Because I don't think you're in recovery. If you're not taking responsibility for your actions, you have to own it. Trace it, face it, and erase it, as we say. So, Rush, if you're listening, let's do a little affirmation work. Look in the mirror. Say, hi, me. I'm Rush L., I'm a drug addict, and that's okay. I have a dis-ease, and I will feel less dis-ease if I go to meetings to make amends to all the people who ended up in prison for also being drug addicts like me, just, you know, because powerful people like me said they should go to prison. Oh, and I should also stop lying on the radio, even if it means I don't have anything left to say. Three hours of silence is better than three hours of dis-ease. Okay, I hope that was helpful, Rush L. And uh, maybe if it didn't reach you, because you're still stuck in your dis-ease, it reached someone else. Maybe someone is getting to a meeting somewhere who wouldn't otherwise be getting to a meeting. And if you're listening to this in, in prison for the same thing that Rush L did, just remember, forgiving is forgetting. When you forgive, you get. Isn't that cute? Isn't that adorable? Forgiving is forgetting. Because when you give, forgive, you get. You see? So forgive Rochelle. He's sick. Okay? He's just a sick guy. All right, this has been Stuart Smalley. And this has been just, I think, one of the best affirmations ever. Because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Oh, it was good. It was good to hear Stewart again. Yeah, absolutely.
4: Neocons love to talk big oh reagan was a softy we should have invaded the soviet union thank god we're in charge now let's start another war iraq went so well let's go to iran all these tough guys story out about uh dick cheney and vanity fair i believe
5: yeah this is nothing but funny
4: <laughs> turns out this uh, tough howard howard hughes <laughs> he's like, full of paranoia. If some guy, if one of his friends is riding around with him, there's this big duffel bag in the back of the car. And he says, look, I'm a little cramped in here. What's this duffel bag? Can we just, like, throw it in the back or something? Says, no, no, no. That's my biological and chemical weapon suit. What? What, what? What's happening, Big? Guy? Just <laughs> yeah. calm down for yeah, a second. Yeah, right? We're going to Popeye's. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. He's, He's like, like no. <laughs> I need the chemical weapon suit Wait, in can- case they attack. Dick Cheney has a chemical weapon suit in his car. Yeah, you're kidding. I'm not kidding. No. It's it, uh, apparently with him all the time. Not only that, he changes routes uh, every time on his way to the White House or wherever he's going. And so his again, somebody in the car asks him, "What's going on? You know, why do you change routes? Uh, you know, I think he's the vice president. I think that makes some degree of sense. But, sure, yeah. But his answer is hilarious. He says, "Quote." Yeah, we take refer different. Riffra- <laughs> Sorry, I thought that was a Bush quote.
3: Take a riffra- riffra-
4: <laughs> yeah, we take different routes so that the jackal can't get me. The, the
3: jackal. jackal.
4: Yeah, it's awesome. The jackal. <laughs> go 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 go! The jackals from like the nineteen seventies, and it's a novel and a movie. <laughs> okay. Wait, is he trying
3: to be funny? It's a I don't
4: Forsyth novel. I don't know, I get you know look, maybe he's being sarcastic, but you know, or maybe he's just being funny, I mean, because Dick Cheney he's a cut up yeah. <laughs> when he's not shooting you in the face. He's always, you know, giving you those zingers. <laughs> so I, I hope to God he's joking. And I look—I don't want to overblow it because obviously the vice president's different than a regular citizen, and he's going to take some precautions. But the talk of the jackal and the duffel bag in the no, back—it's. No. Uh...
5: I I don't I don't I mean look <laughs> it, look it, what's important is what he does, not not these little things. But you know when you look for signs and some I you know some stuff you can get and dismiss, and then some stuff you should pay attention to. The leader of the free world should not be paranoid. He should be vigilant and cautious, but not paranoid. Uh, And when you're paranoid, paranoia is a disease. It's a craziness. And Dick Cheney is crazy. That's crazy. (laughs) No, that's crazy talk. I mean, if included following behind him. Or, you know, armored uh, 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 sport utility vehicles with eight Secret Service agents armed to the teeth. And they have uh, biological weapon suits in their car in case there's some sort of attack. That's fine.
4: Are you saying in the other car it's the Secret Service? They got it in case. That's what you don't they always carry. It carry. With and you
5: don't talk about whether you're going to get whether uh, uh, you know uh, uh, Lex Luthor is going to come get you. He's a made-up <laughs> person, and that is a suggestion of a guy who's crazy. And crazy people should not be deciding whether we strike Iran.
4: Well, you know, Ben, I'm not sure I'd go that far. Funny enough, uh, but I, I do want to say by itself I would almost completely dismiss it. But it is not by itself. Remember, this is the guy who's obsessed about the secret uh, hiding location. The, you remember 9-11, this tough guy who loves to invade countries, went into a bunker and didn't come out for like 17 months or whatever, I, I, however long it I, I took? Don't,
5: I don't care whether you take it by itself or not. I, maybe I'm not taking it by itself because I'm factoring that stuff in. But I'm telling you, normal people don't do this. Normal sort of sound thinking people, he has protection. There's a Secret Service van behind that car. So you're telling me that if you had um, the ability to have a biochemical safety suit, you wouldn't keep it in your car. I can't. I I lose my phone three times a year. i would be like, oh, I left the biochemical soup and burger for and burger king.
4: God you wouldn't always it. keep it in your car like your emergency like first aid kit.
5: I don't think so. Maybe, but you know what? But you, you know, I don't know. I'm not vice president. I would. Maybe I will one day.
4: Yeah. And by the way, given his pensions, uh pension for secrecy in how he deals with things, let alone the Energy Task Force, everything else, this fits into a pattern that is definitely disconcerting, Unstable.
6: This is Joel Pike from The Young Turks, and you're listening to us on the Best of the Left podcast. Catch the entire show live at theyoungturks.com.
0: Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm going to make you three promises. The first is that one day I will get this feed actually figured out, the second is that uh when that happens i will stop constantly talking about uh the troubles i'm having and the uh you know inside baseball under the hood of you know the magic of podcasting uh, and and all the troubles that go along with it and third um that day will be soon but not terribly soon so just just hang in there, finally, I don't usually do this, but these are extenuating circumstances uh I don't know how else to get a hold of you. I got an email from a very kind listener uh submitting uh you know ideas for artwork, which I requested, and uh when I responded, the uh email address was rejected as invalid. so Carrie, get back to me on that um I'm very interested in. Working with you or anyone else. Hey, anyone else interested in uh, submitting, you know, artwork, slogans, uh, anything like that that can be used as promotional material? Uh, let's do it up. Uh, visit me at bestoftheleftpodcast.com com and email me at hippysympathizer at gmail.com. Have a good one, everyone.